Hello, friends. Welcome to Donna's Weight Loss Lifestyle broadcast number 61. I'll check over here and make sure that I am live and in the group. And it looks like I am. So there we go. Welcome to broadcast number 61. Third time for broadcast number 61. Seeking all things by faith. This one is going to take, right? We can be hopeful of that. We're going to have perfect sound. We're not going to have any blurriness. And it is going to record. So there you go. So uh, I am redoing broadcast number 61, Willpower 2. So broadcast number 60 is Willpower 1. And that is where I describe what willpower is and why we have a willpower gap, studies associated with willpower, and the problems with relying on willpower. And now in this broadcast, number 62, we are going to have good news. We are going to learn ways that we can overcome the willpower gap. So here we go. Let's start with the review, first of all. And if you're new, thank you for joining me. I am Donna Reesh, and my blog is DonnaReesh.com. And this is one of my broadcasts slash podcasts called Weight Loss Lifestyle. And if you're in the group, Weight Loss Lifestyle Facebook group, it's a free Facebook group, and I record in there, and you can see them uh, right away on Tuesday evenings for Weight Loss Lifestyle and on Thursday evenings for Think, Feel, Eat. So let's start with the review of willpower. What is willpower? Last week, we last time, we learned that willpower is using internal strength to override our brain, to do something we don't want to do or to not do something that we want to do, right? So we um, are trying to manufacture, come up with some sort of in, inner strength, some internal um, capacity to not do something that we want to do or to do something that we don't want to do, okay? It was discovered in 1988 to be a thing. I'm not sure what it was thought of as before then, but in 1988, they discovered that willpower is a thing. and been around forever, but they just called it then, called it something then. And another definition that I really like is overriding a feeling in order to act in a way that is different than you feel like acting. So all the uh, premise of willpower is that we are taking a feeling, a thought, a behavior, and we're overriding that. And we all know that overriding feelings thoughts, behaviors is very, very difficult. Uh, research shows us that all kinds of willpower um, are used each day. And so when we think about willpower, we don't want to just think about the willpower we need to not overeat or the willpower that we need to not eat something that we shouldn't eat or that we don't want to eat. We also want to consider the fact that we have all kinds of other things, other areas of our lives in which we need to overcome using willpower. So research shows us that we are faced with four hours of temptations every day. That is a lot of temptations, right? Out of a very 24 hour period, if we sleep eight, that leaves us with 16 hours. 25% of our waking time is spent fighting off temptations whether it's a temptation to not cut into uh, somebody's line in traffic, whether it is a temptation to not yell at the barista, whether it is a temptation to 
uh, not beep the horn at your kids who aren't coming out in time, whether it's a temptation to say something to your husband that you don't want to say, or on the flip side, whether it's a temptation to floss this morning instead of just brushing. Do something also that we don't feel like doing. Um, so four hours of that. And when we think about our willpower gap and our willpower bank, we have to consider the fact that it's not just food we're dealing with, that we also have all of these other urges to overcome, all of these other temptations surrounding us. And so we really have to look at it as, what do I wanna use that willpower for, right? And intermittent fasting has definite advantages. Right, because research also shows that we make 119 food-related decisions per day. 119 times in every 24-hour period, we're making a food-related decision. Two more salt, less salt, right? Two creamers, three creamers. I mean, just constantly. So the good news for intermittent fasters, which I'm going to be delving into in a little bit as one of the ways that we save up our willpower, but the good news for us is that we don't need food-related willpower for as long. Once we are fasting for three or four weeks and we have our bodies into um, fat adaption and we are um, able to not really get very hungry during the fast, at least not for the first 16 or 17 or 18 hours, you know, maybe, maybe even not for longer than that, but we are overriding hunger through the balancing of our hormones with intermittent fasting, so we don't need as much willpower for food because of fasting. More on that in just a little bit. So the bottom line is that willpower is needed for too many things each day. It takes willpower to resist, or in our case, one of the things we're going to learn in Think, Feel, Eat number seven next Thursday. That's, um, what would that be? The 12th, next Thursday, the 12th in the group, we are going to learn, uh, how to sit with urges. So willpower is needed to overcome urges for hunger and for over-desire. Now hunger and over-desire are often thought of as being the same. We often think I'm just hungry, right? And I like to use a benchmark for hunger that if we're hungry, we will be happy eating a chicken breast. We'll be happy eating an apple. We'll be happy eating, um, you know, just a normal, non-hyperpalatable type of food just to overcome our hunger sensation. So over-hunger and over-desire are two completely different things, and we're going to be delving into that a lot in future broadcasts, starting actually with next um, Thursday's Think, Feel, Eat about um, resisting urges and the urge map. Um, but uh, we need willpower for over-hunger for our hunger signals, uh, for ghrelin telling us when our stomach is getting empty, for leptin not telling us or us not hearing uh, that we are full. So we need it for overhunger. We also need willpower, even probably more so, because let's face it, usually when we have overhunger, we are not thinking about the chicken breast or the apple, right? We're thinking about what desirable food can I have at this time? So the problem usually is not over hunger. The problem is usually the second one, over desire. And there are a lot of things that hyperstimulate our desire for foods. They are processed foods, frequent eating, sugar, flour, and fat concentrations, 
And all of these lead to over-desire due to neurotransmitters in the brain that tell us that we want more and more and more of these things. So we need willpower for over-hunger, we need willpower for over-desire, and we simply have a willpower gap. A willpower gap is when we run out of willpower before we run out of day, time, and decisions that need willpower. So we have some ways that we can work with or overcome the willpower gap. And um, I'm gonna talk a brief, briefly about refilling willpower stores. And this section is purposely very short because it is much better in the long run for us to train our bodies, our brain, and our hormones not to need as much, not to desire as much, or to learn how to use the willpower we do have wisely. Ooh, wait our bodies, our brain, and our Sorry about that. I'm trying to make sure that I'm on over on um, Facebook too, and it just played. Excuse me. All right, sorry about that. So it's better to not need as much. It's better to use the willpower we do have more wisely because we can train, we can increase our willpower. We can manufacture more willpower in small doses by doing certain things. Creating more willpower is much harder because it's just little teeny amounts, it's not real sustainable. It doesn't help us with the four hours of temptations every day. It doesn't help us with the 119 food urges that we have every 24 hour period. It doesn't, the, the small amounts that we can manufacture, that we can drum up, those do not help us enough to offset the whole um, lack of willpower. So it's better for us to learn how not to need as much, and that's something that I'm really gonna be focusing on in the coming weeks, starting with the urge map next Thursday. And it's better to use the willpower we do have more wisely, right? Suppose we had a gasoline tank, and suppose it was full of gasoline, but we had no way of filling it up right away. We had no way of filling it up, say we couldn't fill it up for a week. Well, that would not be a time to choose to drive, you know, an hour or two away for a shopping trip. We would combine trips. When we went to run errands, we would do everything all at one time because we wouldn't want to use all of our gasoline up. We can do little things with willpower so that we use it more wisely, so that we can serve, we can conserve it. But there are ways that we can manufacture it. So I'm going to give you a few of those really quickly before I delve into how we can not need as much and how we can use what we have wisely. The first thing is sleep. Sleep is its own broadcast, so I have it listed in the outline. Um, if you are watching on YouTube or someplace where you might not have the entire outline, it is at donnareesh.com under uh, the weight loss lifestyle broadcast. Click on that page and it brings up all the broadcasts and you can find this broadcast number 61 click on it and everything is there at one place. My tech girls are amazing. It has um, the complete outline with all the hyperlinks. It has the video and it has the audio and any handouts that are with any broadcast will also be there. So it's very cool. All right. So I do, I, the couple places you can find more of this is broadcast number 42 
and also in, and they're both linked here in the outline, and also in um, Calories In, Calories Out Game um, uh, Frequency of Eating, Sleep, Hours, Water, and Muscle. So it's in that particular one, but it's hyperlinked here. So sleep is huge in our willpower. It's also huge in our metabolism. And it is even big in hunger. So not just if we think about, you know, willpower being needed for over-desire, um, it's not just for over-desire. It also actually um, works with our hunger hormones to make us less hungry. It also causes us to take fewer risks, to, do, uh, to not do as many risky behaviors, and to use our prefrontal cortex more than our toddler brain. Now, there's a lot in those two broadcasts that I just told you about that you can find. But in a nutshell, some of the research that's been done on sleep is super compelling. For example, they do research on people in Las Vegas and in casinos. And they sleep deprive them or give them more sleep, and then they see their risk factors and the uh, amount of self-control that they have in uh, gambling. And it's just absolutely amazing absolutely phenomenally compelling. And so I've been a big sleeper for a long time. I love to sleep. Even when I had small children, I always made sure that I always slept because I wanted to be the certain kind of mom. And you can't be the certain kind of mom that I wanted to be, or I couldn't be the certain kind of mom that I wanted to be without enough sleep. So I've always been a big sleeper. But once I did all this delve, deep delve into sleep, I was just like, yes, seven and a half hours every night minimum sleep by this time, you know, just, it just became a preoccupation for me a couple of years ago. And um, I work hard at my sleep. So anyway, that is huge in how much willpower you have and how much, um, how many cravings you have, and even on how well you burn the food you eat. Got to go watch those. Okay, the second one uh, has a list of other ways that we might be able to refill lagging willpower. And again, the reason that I am hesitant to just really focus on drumming up more is because it's gonna drum it up in small spikes, in small spurts. And it may or may not be enough for the temptations that we're faced with, but it certainly doesn't hurt to drum up more. And if some of the ways that you can manufacture more are enjoyable to you, then that's even better, right? Go ahead and do those things to help yourself drum up more willpower. I personally do them myself, um, but I don't count on those as being the way to solve my willpower problem. All right, so the first one is human connection. And these include Facebook groups, people to text. Some people have like text buddies for urges and for, and they'll uh, text each other their protocol, their food protocol. That's coming up very soon, how to create your food protocol um, in uh, this particular weight loss lifestyle um, broadcast. And they'll text people their plan for the day of their food. It's deciding ahead of time, I'm gonna get to that in just a minute. They text their food to a friend, and then later in the day, they text how they did on that food plan, and it's just really, really cool. Um, and like-minded people also can help refill your willpower, right? Testimonials, how many of us are motivated in Facebook groups by other people's stories, right? And what's the first question? What have you been doing? How have you been doing this, right? We are motivated by that. And that can manufacture some willpower for us within ourselves. 
The next one is meditation. And when I used to think about meditation, I used to think about prayer because most of you know that I'm a Christian. So I, you know, have prayer and I have gratitude journaling and I have um, uh, a prayer list and I have, you know, scripture reading on my app and so forth. Um, but what I've been finding more and more as I've delved into this meditation is that uh, a different type of meditation that I've been trying to practice more and more, in addition to what I already do, is that of emptying our brain. And so the meditation that I'm talking about here is just a quick sit, um, three minutes of deep breathing and emptying your mind as opposed to like what I do with gratitude, I'm thinking about what I'm grateful for. As I do with prayer, I'm thinking about the people I'm praying for, I'm thinking about their needs, all amazing stuff, right? Um, but that is not the same as meditation where we are emptying our brains of, of so many thoughts. And I think a big part of that is just that our brains are going, you know, we know we have 60,000 thoughts a day, our brains are going so fast and furious all the time. So this is just a way that we can just empty our brains of everything and it definitely calms the body and relaxes the body which will definitely help with willpower any relaxation type things true relaxation things can help prayer gratitude um, many many studies and and it's becoming popular even like in non-religious circles gratitude gratitude we see it on social media and memes and graphics the power of gratitude and these studies are showing that gratitude replenishes willpower. I make a weekly gratitude list and then I read that aloud each day. And um, my, mine is in a prayer um, method, but you, you know, if you're a different religion or you're, you know, not a Christian, you can just be grateful, right? I guess to the universe, right? Just gratitude, just gratefulness in itself replenishes willpower. Service, giving to others replenishes willpower. Anytime we have a focus on other people, it'll take our focus off of ourselves. And then self-care. I have a lot to say about self-care. I have a Think, Feel, Eat broadcast coming up about adult self-care versus uh, emergency self-care. Uh, I've just been really brewing this and percolating this because um, the kind of self-care that replenishes our willpower, the kind of self-care that actually gives us motivation and relaxation and help is not the kind that we see uh, people on social say, like I had just absolutely had it, got a sitter, just left the house, went for a drive, you know, I am doing self-care. Or, you know, I couldn't take another day of this, so I just went to the spa, you know, whatever that might be. And there's nothing wrong with taking a drive, there's nothing wrong with getting a sitter, there's nothing wrong with going to a spa, but I really feel like the more effective self-care are the self-care tasks that we plan ahead of time because those are adult self-care tasks. So instead of having it be an emergency, like I can't take another second, we plan ahead of time for our self-care and then it's not emergent and it also um, calms us because we know it's coming and we're not reacting to things in our environment that are happening at that moment. So um, anyway, just a lot to say about that. I will save the rest of that for that Think, Feel, Eat broadcast, adult self-care versus emergency self-care. Not sure what number that's gonna be, but you can find it on Thursday nights here in the group. And you can also find it at DonnaReach.com. 
so also other self-care things, reading, bathing, music, instruments, hobbies, exercise. Um, I know I talk a lot in the intermittent fasting course. I teach one whole lesson on using other types of distractions as you build up your fasting muscles. And a lot of times hobbies are a part of that. Um, sometimes even naps are a part of that, right? Okay, so, oh yeah, and we do have um, a new intermittent fasting course. This is actually wrong because of my third, uh, third time of doing it, but it would be the first Monday of the month, okay? So I will hopefully see you in your classroom. All right, so then, of course, we have um, ways to um, use our willpower wisely. Okay, so we had our uh, refilling the willpower stores, and now we're going to move into intermittent fasting. One of my favorite ways to A, not need as much willpower, and B, use the willpower that we do have wisely. Okay, we know that willpower is limited, and we know from you know the four hours that we needed every day, the 119 food-related decisions, that there's going to come a time, if we are relying on willpower for so many things all throughout the day, and we haven't made decisions ahead of time, we don't have things in place, that we're just constantly reacting, 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 we know that we're gonna use it up. And this is why you hear people say, I don't, I just can't take it. Once seven o'clock comes, once eight o'clock comes, I just give in to all of my food urges. Or I just couldn't go to the Y, I was just, too tired, I had just absolutely had it by 7.30 when it's time for me to go. And so just even that little, just another thing that's just, I wanna really encourage you to do is just to listen to what other people say and what you're saying. Like when I hear that, I don't think to myself, you know, they're just overly tired. I think to myself, they ran out of willpower. I ran out of willpower, we all run out of willpower. So let's reverse engineer with that let's go backwards from that and let's see how we can solve it not just give up not just give in one of the things that i've done for myself with working out is that i have one evening workout a week other than walking dancing or pickleball okay it's almost pickleball season again and i'm going dancing tomorrow night so that's really perfect um but i do not say my exercise for the evening i know that at seven o'clock at night, I am not going to the Y. I just know it. I work long, I work hard. I don't take breaks very much during the day. That's kind of not so good. I don't take naps. Um, I'm not a, a daytime sleeper. I like to pr protect my sleep at night. I'm very, very protective of it. So I know that seven o'clock, it's just not happening. That's, I'm not going there. So other than my yoga date with my daughter, one evening a week, a class that's scheduled and an accountability partner to go with me. Other than that, I do not exercise in the evenings. I know that I know what I know about willpower. I also know what I know about myself, right? And you have to look for yourself. There are so many people who go down to their to classes at the Y in the evenings, and I just think power to be. <laughs> I just because that's just not me. But we take what we learn, like today, about willpower, and we, what else do I always want you to look at, right? I want you to look at your personal self. What works for you? What help helps you? What doesn't help you? 
right? Remember the three things, robust and reliable and repeatable research, um, observation of others, and personal experience, right? Put that together and you will get great results in your life. All right, so since we have this willpower gap and we do not have the ability to, uh, to do anything about that a lot of times, all right, what can we do? What can we do about it? So with intermittent fasting, those 119 food-related decisions that are made every day are all relegated to a four, five, or six-hour period of time, or eight if you are a 16-8 faster. All of those 119 food-related decisions, because we don't have to make any during the fast, we, we, especially if we've been fasting for three or four weeks, it is in place, we don't have to deal with it, we don't have to think about it. And so with that, all of those 119 food-related decisions, first of all, they're decreased. We're not gonna have 119 of them because we're not eating as frequently as somebody else who's not fasting, we're not eating as much as somebody who's not fasting at, at our same size and unless we're down to our goal weight, and we are not eating um, uh, as, uh, as often, as much, and as frequently, and, and, it, and as long of a period of time, right? So that 119 food-related decisions is shortened. Remember what I said? It's way better to not need as much than it is to try to rely on more power. It's way, way better not to need as much. So we have no decisions at all, for 16, 18, 19, or 20 hours a day related to food. We were never, as human beings, intended to eat seven to 12 times in every 24-hour period. That is what research shows um, when they don't use self-reporting. <laughs> you know what happens when we self-report research studies? Yeah. Um, anyway, we're never intended to eat seven to 12 times in every 24-hour period. We were never intended to have such highly processed, hyper-palatable foods. It just, that is not how we began, right? We didn't start out with um, chocolate-covered, deep-fried, uh, coconut-crusted Oreos. <laughs> that was never what we started out with. So with intermittent fasting, our willpower is safe for our eating window. Our insulin is kept low, right? Um, so since we're not spiking it with food during the fast, our insulin is kept low, and this helps us to hear leptin better as insulin goes down, leptin goes up, and or the ability to hear leptin goes up. So many of us may have had enough leptin, even in our obese days, but the fact that we didn't hear it because we always kept food in our mouths, and we always kept food in our stomachs and in our digestive system, and we always kept our insulin so high that it just overrode everything that leptin was trying to tell us in terms of that'll do babe that'll do all right um when we fast we get control of course of the hunger hormone ghrelin now i know i talk about this all the time and i can't help it because i continue to be in amazement at intermittent fasting when it comes to clock hunger and ghrelin i don't know what i used to think before intermittent fasting, I think I just thought that when you were trying to lose weight, you ate and then you just tried really hard not to get hungry and you tried to put it off 
And if you got hungry, you drank water, which is not a bad idea, right? Um, and then you just tried really hard to not eat bad food when you ate. I, I think that kind of summed up you know, what I used to think if I wasn't on a diet at the moment. Not understanding that ghrelin can be completely tame. The ghrelin, growling, ghrelin, gremlin. I mean, who knew that we could just not eat for 16 hours, not eat for 18 hours, and we would redesign our entire hunger system, our ghrelin um, that's released from the fundus, the top of the stomach, telling us we're hungry, that we could control that and make it be quiet until it's time to eat again. And clock hunger continues to be an amazing thing to me. So that is one reason why I like to keep my window relatively similar, like one to seven, two to eight. You know, I don't really like huge drastic changes where I open it at 11 one day and I open it at four the next because I feel like we, I get overly hungry and clock hunger isn't really working in my benefit, but clock hunger completely changes our willpower needs because we don't need the willpower again during the fast. Um, also with leptin sensitivity, as we're able to hear leptin better, we will crave healthier foods. You probably heard me in this broadcast say, I can't believe that I eat salads, green beans, apples every day. I just, I always wanted to save all my calories for foods I liked. I wanted to save it for a donut. I wanted to save my food for a candy bar. I wanted to save it for nachos. I wanted to save it for french fries. I wanted to save it for pizza. You know, I never um, used my calories, even when I wasn't counting calories, I never used my stomach space. I was, I always called it stomach space. I never used my stomach space for healthier foods that much because I wanted to save it for foods that I liked. But with leptin sensitivity being higher, that is the ability to be sensitive to leptin, because we want to be sensitive to it, we want to hear it, that ability causes us to crave healthier foods. And then of course we know that fewer eating instances in general, besides the whole leptin and insulin connection, fewer eating instances in general means fewer dopamine spikes, right? The fewer times that we get that hormone, that chemical, that brain uh, neurotransmitter going, telling us you need more sugar, you need more sugar, it's better. We'll talk about that in a minute too. All right, the next way that we can fill in that willpower gap is by creating automaticity. Now let me just put on my language lady hat for a minute. You have to bear with me sometimes, right, when it comes to language arts. Automaticity is a cool, cool word because it has six syllables. I love six syllable words. But it's not only cool because it has six syllables, it's also cool because it has an amazing meaning for us in our lives in terms of making changes in our lives. And it's also cool because it can be broken down. So auto means self, right? And auticity uh, is a thing and automatic means that we do things automatically. So automaticity, these include habits, rituals, and deciding ahead of time. Again, more on that deciding ahead of time in our upcoming uh, creating your protocol work. All right, so I wanna use the example of brushing our teeth, all right? When we brush our teeth, we do it consistently. We do it 
without any sticky notes around the room telling us what to do. We do it without our timers. You know how much I love my timer cubes. We do it without our phone reminders. Brush your teeth, brush your teeth, brush your teeth, right? Popping up on our phone reminders. We do it without leaving things out on the counter so that we see it. And then we're reminded to be sure we don't forget to brush our teeth, right? Uh, we don't have any charts. Some of my grandkids have toothbrushing charts. They're so cute, right? I made charts for my little people when they were little, my, when I used to call them my littles. And they had charts for their morning routines. And one of them had this really cute little toothbrush little kid on it. It was really cute. We don't need any of that. <laughs> not to brush our teeth, not when we are adults. It is because we are not relying on willpower to help us brush our teeth. We use automaticity, habits, rituals, and deciding ahead of time, as well as a clear desire to do it. We brush our teeth automatically because one, we have a clear, unambiguous line that we will not cross. I will never leave my house without brushing my teeth. And two, we have a routine slash ritual slash automaticity in order for it to happen twice a day. So you think about when you brush your teeth. I always brush my teeth after I put my sports bra on. It's just the order of things. It's just how things go, right? I always do certain things in the morning in a certain order. At night, I do things in a certain order, right? And that is all automaticity. We are creating habits and rituals that automatically make things get done for us. And they improve our lives immensely because when we have automaticity, we don't need willpower. It's already in place. The more things that we can automatize, the more things that we can systematize, the more things that we can decide ahead of time, the less we need willpower. Isn't that so cool? For me, especially because I love doing things ahead of time. I love making plans ahead of time. I love planning ahead. I just love all that automaticity. And it's also just less taxing on our brain and our willpower because it's already in place for us. So for instance, I always get my supplements out in the morning and they're in a certain place. I get my two bottles. I get them ready for the day, my supplement bottle and my water bottle. I, um, at night, I put things, certain things on my nightstand. I lay out my workout clothes for the next day. I get out my shoes for the next day. I clear off the dining room table from all of my work and stuff. So my husband, so it's clear for him. My husband, when he comes to teach, when the students come, he teaches in our home most days. And I do all of that at night automatically because it is my habit. It is my ritual. It is automatized. And so if we can automatize our eating so that it becomes more habitual, more ritualistic, more automatic, we will have way more success with it. That's one of the reasons why I really want to teach this urge material and I really want to teach deciding ahead of time for your foods because it's all part of that automaticity that we can have in place so we don't need as much willpower and we don't need as much brain power, right? You might have heard, you know, Steve Jobs always wore the same thing so that he didn't have to make that decision every day. One less thing to think about, right? Um, so we can automatize our eating by planning and preparing. And once we plan and we prepare our food, so I have on my calendar every week, grocery one, 
grocery list and I keep a running list on my phone. It's automatized so that I have two places that I put my groceries on my boogie board on my refrigerator and in my phone on my notes that buy store. So I go in and I put it on that list or else I write it on the boogie board if I don't have my phone handy and it's also broken down by stores. And I have on my list every week, grocery list. That's when I merge them and I make my grocery list or grocery shop grocery one, put away grocery one, order grocery two, put away grocery two. And I make my food menus off of that and my decisions off of that. And it is automatized every single week. And anything that we can do to stay on our plan automatically is going to help us with needing less willpower. And we know that this is true because we hear people say things like, I got into the habit of doing this and now I just do it all the time. I got into the habit of always, you know, laying out my meat in the morning to defrost and so it's always, so I always know what I'm fixing. So I don't have to think about it later in the day. Likewise, we also hear people say, I got out of the habit of blank, right? I got out of the habit of not eating sugar after my daughter's wedding, after my son's graduation. Next thing I knew, I was eating sugar all the time. I just got out of the habit. We know habits work. That's why we say, I got into the habit of doing this and now it's da 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 da, it's so good. Or we say, I got out of the habit and now it's like, oh, because we know how great habits are. Plus, my two favorite books, two of my many favorite books, but you know, my friend James Clear. <laughs> I wonder if he knows that I, he doesn't know I exist. Let's let us know that I call him my friend. Anyway, Atomic Habits and then Fogg's Tiny Habits. Amazing, amazing books. Okay, next we create a less need for willpower when we decide ahead of time. So lots of studies showing that we always plan to do better. Okay, but in, anecdotally, we know that on Saturdays, we are on the Pinterest. <laughs> and we are planning our great new perfect eating plan that we're going to do on Monday. On Sunday, we are at the store and we are buying all those foods that we need. And if we have the option of um, getting rid of the bad foods, so to speak, quote unquote, uh, you know, we don't have small, you know, kids and other people who are wanting our food, wanting foods, we get rid of those on Sundays too, right? That is because we are always more optimistic that we are going to be able to stick to the plan come Monday, all right? And the studies bear this out over and over. Remember, we're gonna use reliable, repeatable, robust research, personal experience, and outside observation, right? But we know from personal experience that that's true, but research bears it out that the uh, place, placing people in a meeting and at this meeting they had to, to just check off on a card, they didn't have to put their name or anything, check off on a card, next time's meeting in two weeks, I want fruit or I want cake. They were told it was just for planning purposes so they would know how much fruit and cake to have. And um, so 74% of the people, something like that, said they were gonna have fruit. And when they actually had the meeting in two weeks, it was flipped, 74% of the people actually had cake, right? And it is because when we decide ahead of time, we are using our prefrontal cortex. We're using our adult brain to decide. And we always think 
that we're going to be able to withstand whatever the temptation is ahead of time. We are separated from it. We are not facing it at that very moment. And we need to use this decide ahead of time strength to our benefit, right? We need to, first of all, recognize that it's a thing. Recognize, wow, when I decide ahead of time, when I put systems in place, when I do these things, I do better. Recognize that first, that it is effective, that it does make a difference. And then use that to our benefit. Decide today when you will eat tomorrow. I have a little thing on my daily planner. It says meal one, meal snack, meal two. And I put on there the time tomorrow that I'm going to start eating. And then I put what I'm going to eat for meal one, what I'm going to eat for a snack. And I can not, I can eat it or not eat it. It doesn't matter. I just can't add something later. And then what I'm going to eat for meal two. I'm using my adult brain to decide today what I'm going to eat tomorrow, 24 hours in advance. Then I am not at the mercy of my toddler brain who wants to eat goldfish crackers out of my grandbaby's diaper bag or who wants to eat some of my um, grandchild's peanut butter and chocolate milk, right? Nope, this is what I'm eating. I already know if I want peanut butter and chocolate milk, I'll put it on for tomorrow. Right. That's another thing with intermittent fasting and deciding ahead of time. You can always just decide to do that later. Right. We're not we're not, you know, at, in such a rigid situation that we'll never have that food again. That's a bad position to be in because that that makes us um, really, really have to utilize unnatural levels of willpower. Right. All right. So we can decide when we can decide what and we do not need as much willpower. All right, the final way that we can use less willpower, and one that I've talked about a lot, um, let me see if I have the link here. I don't have the link here right now, but um, it's a broadcast that's about the six seductive cravings. And um, it is from uh, the research book and podcast and broadcast by Stephen Guiana called The Hungry Brain. And it is where we reduce are hyperpalatable foods. So this doesn't mean that you eat perfect. It doesn't mean that you eat 100% clean. If you want to eat clean, that's great. If you want to eat perfect and you can, that's great. But reducing the six craving combinations says, you know what? I am not going to have these food combinations together that are going to just make me not be able to stop. So Dopamine is the habit, desire, motivation chemical uh, that makes us want to eat junk food. Okay, it does, it makes us, it, it's a habit, um, motivational chemical. It makes us want to uh, have more and more and more of that, whatever it is. Okay, so it's not only food, it, uh, dopamine spikes are like off the charts with drugs some, for some people with sex, pornography, things like that. And uh, it is known as the motivation one as it is what motivated us to find food and reproduce. And it continues to cause us to be motivated today. And it continues to motivate us to overeat because of those unnatural food combinations that I talked about earlier. You know, the deep fried chocolate encrusted, you know, like there are places all over. And I've had one before. I actually had it twice. 
where you have a donut and an ice cream and chocolate sauce and sprinkles and, 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 right? I don't recommend it. I think it's a bad habit to get into, to need such hyper palatable foods, right? Because once we do that, it's just like, you know, with pornography, once we do something like that, it's so hard to come back from that. So every time we eat a processed food or drink a sugary drink, our dopamine is spiked. And we need more and more of those junk foods in order to satisfy us. We all know anecdotally and personal experience that this is true, right? Why do we say, I just cannot start on that because I can't stop, right? Do you realize how much you already know about food, about eating, about yourself, about weight management? We just have to believe what we have found to be true in our own lives and there are things that we know we can't have over and over and over again, right? Because we can't stop on them. And it is because of this dopamine spike that is released from them. So one way that we can decrease this over desire is to decrease the number of eating opportunities. So we got that covered with intermittent fasting. How cool is that? Easy fix, right? Do you just love easy fixes? I mean, Anything that's easily fixed, it's usually so, 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 so hard is great, right? So that is an easy fix. Um, and then eventually with the help of leptin, lowered insulin, ghrelin, uh, we will be able to decrease those spikes that need superhuman willpower to overcome. One of the best things that I have found to decrease my dopamine spikes is to, for me, because my dopamine spikes that the, the really just like uncontrollable ones come from a combination of sugar, flour, and fat. Other people, it might be like salty, um, bone broth, unabi, flavoring, protein, um, fat and cheese and meat, like nachos or something like that. So different people have different like combinations. I call my mine my, my trifecta because sugar, fat, and um, flour seem to be like the worst thing for me. So if I do want something to satisfy a sweet craving or something like that, um, like the last thing I will pick will be, and like for even for my free food for that week, it'll be way down. Like I don't think I've had anything with this combination for like since we went away like three weeks ago. And that is a flour, sugar, fat combination, like a cupcake, a pastry, something like that. Because I know from my own personal experience, that that is going to be the thing that's going to, once I have it, I'm gonna want it again, I'm gonna want it again, and I'm gonna want it again. So there are a few ways to counteract this and not need that willpower as much. One of them is to decrease the components of your seductive characteristics. So for me, peanut M&Ms over a cupcake um, or like um, vanilla wafers over a, uh, a brownie sundae or something like that because it's not so hyper palatable. It doesn't have so many of the seductive cravings in it. Another way we do that is to decrease the instances of that. We are doing a lot of this already by intermittent fasting. We are just decreasing the total number of instances that we are going to have those foods. But decreasing the instances, the increasing the time between those instances is huge. So for me, I just really, really made it a point to stop having those 
intense things unless it was like a shower or a birthday party or a getaway weekend or something like that. Just really lowering, you know, and planning ahead, deciding ahead of time when and what I was going to have for those. So I hope episode number 61, Ways to Overcome or Change the Willpower Gap, Willpower Part one, 2, has been helpful to you. Episode 60 has uh, all of the information about willpower in general and some of that research and some of the, the reasons why we have the willpower gap, if you'd like to go back and listen to that. Thank you so much for joining me. If you're new here, I'd love for you to subscribe at donnarish.com so you get everything in your inbox. Uh, even the announcements of when I'm going live will come to you via email so you can watch for those episodes. Thanks again for joining me. It's been my pleasure.